welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who curse anyone who tries to sweep Jack Black under the rug. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Tupang Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today we are talking about 2006's The Holiday. Iris and Amanda are in exactly the same place. Where do I want to go by myself? Depressed at Christmas. Just 6,000 miles apart. Home exchange. We switch houses, cars, everything. Bingo. I need you to answer this. Are there any men in your town? Perfect. As one door closes, be interesting. another one opens. Oh. <laughs> Hi. Hello. I'm Miles. I'm Greg. Iris' brother. Do you want some company? Yeah, love some. Excuse me? Ooh. Okay, sorry about that. Hi, everybody. Hello. Welcome back. I feel the need to clarify that last week I said that the Nutcracker was going to be our last holiday episode, but I lied. We have one oh, more. See, I said that to you, and then you were like, you were like not admitting to that. <laughs> Well, okay. I wasn't admitting to it because it was before I had watched it. Oh, So yeah. I knew... Well, okay. Right. I, I don't want to put the cart yeah, before the horse. I was like, no, it definitely is a Christmas movie. But, but <laughs> is it... Okay. I feel like it's kind of not, though. But, like, Christmas is in it. In, like, it's, Christmas is, like, the end, kind of. New Year's Eve is the end. Right, but Which Christmas is why we're doing it, in it this week. Yeah, uh, anyway, <laughs> the point is... I want to keep debating whether or not this is a, actually a Christmas movie later, okay. though. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, do you have anything else to add to the beginning here? Do you want to talk about our setup physically? Yeah, so if you're watching, which very few of you are... But, but you should be. If you are... You're probably like, why are they so far away? <laughs> and why are they laying down? I am back in Ohio for the holidays. Oh. And we are in my, kind of my room. It's like a guest room in my parents' house, but it's also kind of my room. Yes. Um, and the shot is like a little Wes Anderson looking, honestly, with the symmetry. We're also laying on our stomachs on the bed facing the camera. So we look like the artwork also at the beginning of the video version, which only some of you are familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and so we were supposed to go into the Evergreen headquarters today, like the real deal place. But the weather outside is beyond frightful. So we are here with the wind chill. It's like negative eight in Cleveland today. And I think it's the worst cold I have ever encountered, which is saying something. Or that you remember, I guess. Question for the culture this week. The culture is super sick right now. It's actually really bad, period. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? And if so, what are they? Or even... Do we believe in New Year's resolutions? Yes, either. <laughs> That's more of a question for the culture. I know. I, as I started to read it, I was like, I guess the real question is, do you believe in them? I okay. think that making goals is good for anybody, but mm -hmm. I don't think it really has to line up. If it helps you for it to line up with a day, 
like a fresh start, if you will, then that's good. Yeah. But like, I, I feel like I always have a running to-do list or like I always have, it's always, it's always going. So I don't necessarily make a new list at the end of the year. It's just, it's just the pre-existing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I feel like over the past few years, whenever it has come to be New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, I remember especially going into 2022, I was like, fuck my life. I was like not happy when this year started, kind of just because of like seizures and brain issues. But it was like, if you guys remember last Christmas, it was like everything was fine. Everything was fine. Everything was fine until it was like extreme lockdown again. And I remember being on like a video chat on New Year's Eve and I was like, this is the worst thing I could be doing. The difference is that I'm actually really excited for the new year. I feel like I'm actually going to make a bunch of big choices this year that will end the simulation of the past few years that feel like they've been the same thing over and over again. Do you feel that way too? Yeah, I feel like every year post-college has had those hallmarks to it for Mm -hmm. me without me trying. Yeah. Like things just keep happening. Yeah. Um, COVID definitely shook everything up in terms mm-hmm. of like life events, like when things happen or or how. But like I just, so I mentioned it, I think in the what, uh, Little Women episode, mm-hmm. but I just quit my job. Yay. So the main thing for, <laughs> for the next few months will be like me trying to meet a lot of people. Yeah. And network. Love that. I hate networking. No one likes networking though. I'm going to try to just get into projects that are with young people, hopefully nice people. Yeah. And who are doing cool things. That's my goal. That's a very earnest goal. Yeah. I hope that, that happens too. Yeah. I'm trying to pursue some creative things that I am excited about. And also just, I don't know. It's time for some changes, ladies. That's how I feel. Okay. Yeah. Should we talk about the holiday? No, just kidding. I'm actually excited to talk about the holiday. (laughs) Yeah, me too. So let's get into the facts. The holiday was released on December 8th, 2006 and was rated PG-13. It was directed and written and produced by Nancy Myers, who is known for Something's Gotta Give, It's Complicated, Private Benjamin, The Intern. She also wrote the screenplay for the Lindsay Lohan Parent Trap. The synopses for the holiday, this IMDb one is, hella long. (laughs) It's probably very detailed. Okay, here we go. In London, Iris Simpkins writes a wedding column in a newspaper and nurtures... We would... I was going to say, I had no idea. Actually, no, I did know that only because of the moment where the guy, the newspaper says, Iris, pay attention to this. I want you to cover this. And then he announces... Oh, the engagement. Yeah. I didn't get that. Yeah, I did. Oh, so she's like, she writes like the announcements. Right. Oh, okay. That's the only reason. sounds like advice on picking your tablecloth color. In London, Iris Simpkins (laughs) writes a wedding column in a newspaper and nurtures an unrequited love for her colleague, Jasper Bloom. Near Christmas, she is informed that Jasper is engaged to marry another colleague and her life turns upside down. In Los Angeles, the movie trailer's maker, (laughs) Amanda Woods, has just split with her unfaithful boyfriend, Ethan, and wants to forget him. (laughs) Through a house exchange website, Amanda impulsively swaps her mansion for Iris's cottage in Surrey for the holidays. 
While in Surrey, Amanda meets Iris's brother and book editor Graham, and they fall in love with each other. Meanwhile, Iris meets her new next-door neighbor, the 90-year-old screenplay mm-hmm. writer Arthur, mm-hmm. who helps her retrieve her self-esteem, and the film composer Miles, with whom she falls in love. Retrieve her self-esteem is really funny. <laughs> I am so excited to talk about this a, fucking A million plot. takes oh, about this. Oh, God. Okay. Letterboxd. Two women, one from the United States and one from the United Kingdom, swap homes at Christmas time after bad breakups with their boyfriends. Each woman finds romance with a local man, but realizes <laughs> that the imminent return home may end the relationship. It's like local man pulled over for DUI. <laughs> like, that's, I thought the same thing when I saw local man. And then the Rotten Tomatoes one, two women, one from America and one from Britain, swap homes at Christmas time after bad breakups with their boyfriends. Each woman, well, if you could really call him that. It's each, the same thing. Each woman finds romance with a local man, but realizes <laughs> that the imminent return home may end their relationship. Wait, is it literally They're, the exact same thing? They are almost. almost. The swap was the word America and United States and United Kingdom and Britain. Great, great. I bet that's what they did. They were like, how can we make it different from this? <laughs> Let's just change some really inconsequential words. So, okay, uh, allegedly there are no taglines. Why do you never believe me? Because you just never know. No, I really check now. <laughs> okay. Because I love the taglines my favorite okay, part of I the episode. You, I believe you. So they're all just like the names of the actors and from the director that brought you the intern. Well, the intern wasn't out yet, but still, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Parent Trap screenplay. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> from the director that brought you the Parent Trap screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now the cast. Of course, we have Kate Winslet as Iris, best known as Rose from Titanic, but also for her role in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Revolutionary Road, Sense and Sensibility, and she recently was in Mare of Easton. Okay, then we have Cameron Diaz as Amanda. Primarily in my mind, she is always just Fiona from Shrek. However, she's in Vanilla Sky, There's Something About Mary, Charlie's Angels, of course, My Best Friend's Wedding, Notably, she was Miss Hannigan in the 2014 Annie, and then so took, fucked up. I know, and then took an acting break from that movie to 2020. I can't imagine something she fits less than Miss Hannigan. I have not seen that movie. Have you? Oh, it doesn't matter if you've seen it or not. I mean, I can imagine it being bad. That's so wrong. I'm about to commit some slander on this podcast today, but I'm going to save it until we get to the second half. I think she was on the Drew Barrymore show recently, mm-hmm. and she seems just. Like a nice lady. I feel like she's sweet. I can see that for sure. But I know you're going to hate on her in the second I'm, half. I'm not. <laughs> Here's the thing. I am going to kind of hate on her, but I have a bigger point. Okay. I it's prob- not just me being like, I probably you, have Cameron the same Diaz. point. I think I probably have the same Yeah, point. probably. Next, we have Jude Law as Graham. He is hot and he is in The Talented Miss Ripley. You got to watch that. Okay. It's so good. Closer, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Sky Captain, and The World of Tomorrow. And he's hot Dumbledore and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Uh, Rip to that. But also, whenever I see Jude Law's name in anything, I think about the fact that when I was a kid, I was like really into tabloids, like People Magazine and stuff. And so both sets of grandparents would give me their old tabloids. And there was like some scandal in like 2004 where he was like, caught cheating on his wife with a nanny. And I have no idea if that's actually real or not. That is what I read when I was a tabloid obsessed child. Next, of course, 
Jack Black as Miles. The reason why I wanted to watch this movie, he's in School of Rock, High Fidelity, Nacho Libre, King Kong, Kung Fu Panda, Jumanji, Tenacious D, Gulliver's Travels, Shallow Hal, and Ice Age, among many other projects. Oh, Bernie, dude. I forgot Bernie. Bernie's like the best one. We love him. You guys know that already. And we are going to talk more about him in the second half for sure. And then last but not least, we have Eli Wallach as Arthur. He was in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, The Magnificent Seven, and Baby Doll. And upon researching him more, I came to realize that Arthur is kind of like a weird fictionalized version of Eli himself. He died in 2014, but I found this Rip. clip of him. I know, pour one out for Eli as Audrey takes a sip of the <laughs> wine. Um, there's this clip of him on his IMDb page accepting this award in 2010 from the Motion Picture Arts Academy. And it looks exactly like the award ceremony in the movie, even though the movie preceded it by four years. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, but still, we're going to come back to this point too, or at least I am. Nancy Myers has some connection here that she wanted to put into a screenplay. And then, of course, we have the weird cameos from John Krasinski, Katherine Hahn, and Robert De Niro. You mean Al Pacino? Yes. (laughs) A lot of people get them confused because they came up in the same era. So it's like Robert De Niro is Raging Bull. Okay. Al Pacino is the Godfather. Al Pacino makes more sense because they talk about the Godfather in this movie. I've learned something today. Budget was $85 million. That's so much. Opening weekend, $12,778,913. Worldwide gross, $205,841,885. They're chilling. They really cashed in on this one, guys. It's kind of crazy. Okay, so now into critic and audience opinions. The critic score on Rotten Tomatoes is 51%, and the critic consensus is as follows. While it's certainly sweet and even somewhat touching, the holiday is so thoroughly predictable that audiences may end up opting for an early checkout time. Here are some critic opinions. While the director tips her hat to classic Hollywood comedies, Iris watches Howard Hawks' His Girl Friday for lessons in leading lady gumption. The holiday wallows in too much earnest relationship talk without saying much. Another one. The holiday is as corny as it gets, but in a cinemascape full of macho grunting and aggressive irony, Myers is perhaps right to believe that corniness is what women and their boyfriends will be wanting. And then lastly, what makes the holiday interesting and worth re-examining more than a decade after its release, very sleepover cinema of them, is that unlike most holiday-themed movies, it exhorts the viewer to take time for themselves, not just others. It's the ultimate self-care flick. All right, the audience score was 80% and the letterboxed average star rating is 3.4. That's pretty generous. I know, I was kind of surprised by that. Audience opinions. At what point Jude Law goes, I've got the girls for the new year. Like who else would have had custody? His dead wife? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that too. I was like, what? As opposed to, I guess, like grandma and grandpa. Yeah. yeah. Arguably the longest movie ever made. Yeah. Agreed. Had a full review written out. Email confirmation hiccup removed it all. Avoid at all costs. <laughs> even if you had a crush on Cameron Diaz. Okay, it is predictable and a cookie-cutter Hollywood production combined 
combining pretty faces with beautiful settings. Brentwood on Sunset, mod urban LA mansion with oversized pool and everything else. And a cozy centuries old British cottage with 24-7 fireplace and snow in a charming rural village. Yet the excellent cast of actors Winslet Law Black Diaz Sewell keeps it fun and entertaining. If you want to escape to sunny, perfect LA and cozy, snowy Britain during Christmas, then this is a great way to do it. And finally, my favorite Christmas movie of all time. It's not really about that. No, I feel like the whole review, the whole thing here talking about 24-7 snow and fire. I saw a YouTube video after I was done researching this that was like, ambiance like the cottage from the holiday and like the 24 7 fire and snow Mm -hmm. yeah that is one of the highlights of the movie for sure this is not a film that we knew about or cared about Mm -hmm. ever correct but I definitely learned about it probably at some point in college because Jack Black is in it and I knew that he was paired with Kate Winslet and I found that so weird, full of hope and just intriguing. Yeah. And so I knew I was like, I was going to watch it. I watched it for the first time in 2020, I think. What a film. (laughs) We're going to get into it. I watched it through a really weird means. We are logged into like AT&T Spectrum Live on it. And for some reason, the holiday was available on demand with ads through that app. You watched it with ads? I did. That's why I watched it over two days because it took so long. That's more dedication than it's worth. Okay, but aren't you proud of me for not spending money? Yeah. Thank you. But just the time, because it is long. I know. It was a slog. It was a slog. But doing it in two days actually made it, like, really fine. Find your weird viewing method of choice, and we will meet you back here to talk about this delightful film. (laughs) Delightful? (laughs) Delightful, yeah. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. Everyone, everyone, <laughs> everyone. Hello, everyone. We're back. What did you think of the holiday when you watched it? I have a feeling you want to know what we thought. So <laughs> here we are. Let's start with the good things. Okay. I love Jack Black, period. He's brought so much joy to my life. He's so talented. 
I'm really glad he's in this. And I have more to say about it. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm always happy to see him. No, me too. But the problem Okay, lies. are we going to go straight to the problem? Yes. Okay. I can't help it. I, okay, same. The way that they cannot handle his level of charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Both him and Kate. Yes. are too smart for this movie. Agreed. They're too smart for the script. Yep. Be, and and I understand the thinking of this casting going into it because you might think from like a marketing perspective and how interesting it would be to have the hot couple and then the quote, less hot couple. And I mean, and I, I think they're both hot. Yeah. So I'm yes. telling, I am saying this from the perspective of a snobby marketing person. Right. The fact that they were trying to do this like kind of like mirrored pair situation is mm. so wrong. And here's the other reason why it's so wrong. I know wrong what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. don't even let nope. Jack Black be the nope. mirrored pair. They put a literal old ass man in there. I don't want to see Kate Winslet in the fucking pool with an <laughs> old man. Get Jack Black in there. I what know. are you doing? I know. I what wrote down, why am I watching her date like a 90 year old like, man? I hate that. I'm also like, but I, but I do have to say that I'm not saying that this makes me happy, but like, you, okay, you know, like every scene he's in, you feel like him just going like full goofy Jack Black is like one yeah. millimeter below the surface. Yeah. Like, I feel like that energy is so tonally bizarre for the movie. I wrote Jack Black's tonal incongruence is so odd. Yes. And could be great. Yes. If the rest of the film understood it. Right. But it doesn't. It just felt like such a waste of him being there. It's like, yeah. why wouldn't you just hire like... Why wouldn't you hire one of those dumbass guys who they that, that the general public thinks is silly? Like Seth Rogen. But isn't. Yeah. Yeah, Seth Rogen. I actually, I like, I him, actually like him. But like someone but of that But he's a good type. example of yeah. mainstream silly. Yeah. And Jack Black is mainstream silly for animation. Yeah. He's not mainstream As silly in real life. Yeah. And nothing bothers me more. It's just like when people say they don't like Napoleon Dynamite. Nothing bothers me more than some... I saw a TikTok recently that was like... Oh, no. It was like filming the TV and it was the scene of Jack with Kate in the blockbuster. Yeah, which is the one that teeters the most on the yeah. edge. And she, yeah. was, she was like, I can't explain it, but this just gives me such deep cringe. I'm like, oh. It, it, like, no, it no, is though. It does, but it's, yeah. she's not coming from yeah. the perspective of someone who loves him. And I'm just like, like you don't get it. Like you yeah. don't understand how he's, it's like he's like an alien in this movie. Absolutely. And they don't even like let the relationship develop in like any sensible way. No, I think they should have let Jack and Kate at the script and yeah. been like, you you have some freedom here because you guys are such specific performers and and they will be able to get there. Yeah. If they were given the room yeah. to do it and the time. Like the other aspect of this movie that kind of gets in the way of the development of the relationships is their references to Hollywood in I general. I don't get why they're doing that in this movie. I think it's so annoying and like masturbatory that they do that. Yeah. It's like no one fucking cares. I, that's what I wrote. I was like, it feels inside baseball. That's, that's the exact phrase yeah. I was thinking of too. Like what? And also it's like inside baseball of like crusty, like 1950s. Yeah. Like, like Hollywood? golden age Hollywood 
episode, which Nancy Myers is, you know, maybe she's like roughly our parents' age, maybe a little older. Mm -hmm. So for her, golden age Hollywood, because this movie was made already like 20 years ago, a little less. Mm -hmm. That was her version of ideal Hollywood from when she was a kid. Now, obviously she knows that the reality of that is not And I find that so interesting. She is a female director, producer, writer, creator in the year, in the early 2000s. And she's making this film that completely glorifies the conditions of golden age Hollywood, Mm -hmm. which that's a really fun and easy trap to fall into. And I get that. Like, look at La La Land, seriously. Yeah. People love to think about early... Hollywood as some kind of dream come true, but literally everyone was mistreated. Yeah. It's like actively abusive. Yeah. And especially for women. Now, did things, was the film quality and the craft behind it more well thought out and like beautiful? (laughs) Yeah, it was. Yeah. But that's the, that's the product itself. But like the things that go into it and everything behind the scenes was not ideal by any means. Yeah. So for her to perpetuate that is interesting and it makes me want to look into her background like I did she not struggle in it to be a filmmaker well I checked to see like because in her IMDb it was like daughter of this person and this person and I was like is she a nepotism baby but she's not her parents were just like Mm -hmm. regular ass people yeah I didn't think she was um but at the same time if you look at her filmography it is all movies um, surrounding, there's always occupations involved. It's white people mm-hmm. and they're fairly wealthy. Yeah. All of them. The narrative at play is never about any struggle besides usually a relationship. Yeah. Or, yeah, it's usually just about a relationship. They're not struggling with anything in their, like, living circumstances or yeah. anything I like mean, that. I mean, I think that's okay, though. It's like, right no, what you know or I whatever. Th- I think it's okay, too. I just, it's just really, like, when you look at her filmography, it's just like, whoa, right? Yeah, right what you know. Like, clearly, yeah. that's her thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just makes me wonder, do people watch this and, uh, like... It made $200 million. Are people able to just go in there and completely detach from real life? Like at the time. For sure. Like anybody. Totally. That's the whole point. No, I know that's the point, but I think it's hard to do that now. To get people to detach? mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's why this type of movie doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah. Like yeah. it would be the 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 fucking takes about this movie would be yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it would be out of control. It would be out of control. Which it's kind of interesting because I feel like now movies like this can happen, but they're like straight to Netflix or like straight to you know, like Hallmark-esque movies. Like yeah. people do have room in their hearts for them, but they're not, it's not going to be like a big theatrical release situation. Mm-mm. I'm thinking of like Falling for Christmas with Lindsay Lohan or like The Happiest Season, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But even with The Happiest Season, it was like... Well, The Happiest Season was supposed to be theatrical and oh, then COVID. Oh, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. That was a good movie. It was good. And I actually thought that one would have worked. I don't think it would have made a billion or anything, but I, would have seen it, it. would have I would have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the weird romanticization of old Hollywood instead of letting Jack Black be a full character is an unforgivable sin. 
in my opinion. Yeah, and he's just way too smart to be in this movie. Like, he like he's saying the lines, and I'm like, I feel so bad that he has to say these lines. Like, this is so not, it's just not him. When he said, just um, not. we're going to celebrate being young and alive, I was like, yeah. I can't believe what like, you're saying. Imagine, that. just like, imagine what he's saying, what he looks like and knowing how silly he is and who he is that he portrays through that character. And then imagine that person as a real person in real life. It it just doesn't go. It just like doesn't yeah, go together. It does not go together. What, what's your Cameron Diaz? Uh, oh yeah. I'm, re- I'm ready to get on my, my <laughs> fucking, oh, my rampage now. I'm not speaking to actual woman Cameron Diaz. I am talking about my conception, the character, but also my fake impression of her that I have in my mind. I do not enjoy her. I did not enjoy her in Charlie's Angels. I did not enjoy her in this. I think that part of it in this movie, and there's like two chunks to this, like she was directed to be so obnoxious and she already kind of has an annoying thing to her. But it also like the weird physical comedy, like the solo physical comedy that Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet have to do is also extremely cringy to me. Mm -hmm. And with Cameron, I'm just like, I just want her off. I just want, I do not want to watch her the entire time. Do you really think it has to do with her though? I don't know. Like if you watch her in like My Best Friend's Wedding, Mm -hmm. some of her other stuff where she might have been casted as that same stereotype, but what the script does for her is a lot better. And and it does her justice more as a you you just I don't know you create you can add more of a narrative in your head for her, like a head cannon for Cameron yeah. Diaz. Yeah. Other than the shit that that you've seen so far, mm-hmm. but like in Charlie's Angels, and in this, they always make her seem like a bimbo, and you have to. I mean, this is kind of a complicated conversation, maybe, but her body has a lot to do with her as an actress. Mm-hmm. You can't separate her characters from her body. That's true for a lot of people, though. It is true, but it's true for her. Yeah. Like, it's. I would not say that's true for Kate Winslet. Oh, I think she's, like, one of the exceptions. Yeah. It's not true for actresses that are often claimed as more highbrow. Yeah. The the Oscar winner, like think like Olivia Coleman, like even Emma Stone, like mm-hmm. not associated with her body in the same way. Sir Ronan, not her body. Yeah. Even Margot Robbie, kind of not her body. She's more so, yeah. but only because she has this kind of Oscar yeah. like thing to well, her. That's like her. And that's also her trope is that she's like the hot but smart girl in like an Oscar baby thing. Thing and that and I think that is kind of unfair in general with with actresses that like if you don't get this certain level of acclaim that you either are dumber or yeah. you're more associated with your body or your hotness than you would be otherwise. It, say yeah. she had gotten a role in, I don't know, I'll just make something up. Like, say she had gotten like an Oscar winning role, like a Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm-hmm. People's entire perspective on her would be different. Yeah. Like her and Gwyneth Paltrow are not that different. Yeah. And yet Gwyneth gets all this like acclaim. Well, I feel like there really isn't even like a public concept of Cameron Diaz. No, because she's... 
not especially now because she's taken this long break. Yeah. But when we were kids, she was everywhere. Shrek, Charlie's Angels, this movie. She was a huge box office draw. Well, right. But like, but what was like her thing? Being hot? I think that she was viewed, I don't know because I was a baby at the time, but like she was viewed as being likable. She seemed friendly and like flirty and likable and kind of girl next door. I think that's what they were trying to do. Yeah. She also had a distinctive haircut in the style of Ariel Kebble. Yeah. Yeah. Shorter hair. Yeah. What about Jude Law? He was fine. You need to watch. Am I a misogynist? You need to watch The Talented Mr. Ripley. He's so good at that. Yeah. The script is still pretty bad for him. Yeah. They don't have good chemistry, in my opinion. The dad stuff. They kind of don't have good chemistry. I guess they're supposed to. I don't think anyone has good chemistry. Me either. (laughs) But that one scene where he says that he loves her and she's like, yikes, like, what do I say to that? That scene I actually thought was like, kind of real because it it did show this dissonance in chemistry and how she's yeah. not really she's not really ready and I kind of bought that scene I was surprised that it that scene ended with her also not saying it mm-hmm. um it kind of seemed like they were going to give it to you yeah but then they made you wait I hate the like long run to the house thing that shit was so <laughs> long it was so long it's it felt like, like a like a skit almost why would you not cut out like 45 yep. seconds of that running yep. And, I totally agree. And the run was almost so long that you, I thought for a second that when she gets in there, he might be dead. <laughs> I was like, did he leave? Like, I was not expecting him to be in there either. Yeah. Weird choices being made there. Look, I wrote a long run. <laughs> I mean, so, okay. So you like the father stuff, even though the screenplay um, has set him up to be some kind of angel because he's a widower. This is really what it is. The child actors are really good. In my opinion, compared to some of the shit we've seen recently, I thought they were good. And for being like little side characters like that, except when they were like, like the three musketeers, I was like, no. (laughs) It's not their fault, I guess. Oh, it's not their fault, but still. How did you feel about the way that score was diegetic and non-diegetic? Remember that scene where Jack Black's talking to Kate when they first meet and he's playing score from his car? Yes. And she's like, and and it's playing as though it's scoring the movie. And then she's like, oh, did you write that or whatever? And he's like, oh, it's this other composer's. Yeah. But it's playing as score also. So it's It's like both. It just ties into the whole like weird. Yeah, the whole Hollywood self-referential weirdness. Yeah. Oh, which reminds me that, by the way, the Al Pacino cameo happened because he was driving by set and walked in and was like, what are they making? And then she put him in it. That sounds fake. It does sound fake. It does sound fake, (laughs) but it still plays into the whole like Hollywood myth thing. Yeah. I mean, this movie is very entrenched in big stars. Yeah. Huge box office draws. So especially at the time. Yeah. So I get that. That's probably why they didn't have taglines and stuff like that. Like you didn't yeah, need anything. Names. And that poster too. It's a great poster. Yeah. You know? The poster communicates a really different tone than the movie actually gives you though. Like when I see the poster, I think it's going to be more along the lines of like. Love Actually. Well, I haven't seen Love Actually. 
so I don't know. <laughs> Almost more like the notebook, but like less, less epic and but very serious, like the love story is being taken very seriously. Mm-hmm. And that is not what it actually is. Here's something that I am curious about your opinion on. Why are we supposed to believe that Kate Winslet is like a femme cell? I know. It makes no sense. Yeah. And we know the answer to why she would be cast as the femme cell and Cameron Diaz would be the other lady. (laughs) Why? I think it has everything to do with, first of all, public perception and literally bodies, I think. That that I think it really was that discriminatory at the time. It's and I'm not. Kate Winslet is so beautiful. It's not even funny. But she's like, also thin though. But she's not like six feet tall and like in ninety pounds. But also, we don't even know what her body looks like because again, it's covered. It's covered. it's the whole thing you were talking about about the Oscar thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you kind of. I don't know. But you kind of know. Yeah, it's more it's more nebulous. (laughs) I don't know. There's just nothing else I can come up with. It's so incorrect, but we have to think in these terms because there's no there's no other other way way to explain explain it. it. But what I was going to say is I think that it is such a weird reach. And I fucking love Jack Black. Jack Black is not a chiseled, handsome man. He's a handsome man. He's not like Ken. Yeah. But what I'm saying is the way that they're like. Kate Winslet and Jack Black would be treated the same by the opposite sex. Is crazy. Is so crazy. Yeah. Well, I feel, I can feel them trying to offset pre-judgments of Jack Black's character by giving him the skinny hot hot girlfriend. girlfriend. And when he shows up in the beginning with like the car and like the sunglasses. And he's like, I can't, I've been dating an actress for five months. Like, I can't believe my luck. Like, that's basically what he says. And I'm just like, Oh, <laughs> it's like, so weird though. Like the whole thing is so bizarre. I'm like, why did they pick Jack Black out of all the people they could? Have? Oh, one thing I will say is last night I was uh, watching Celebrity Wheel of Fortune and Jack Black was the one of the contestants and he, it was like the holiday edition, like Christmas edition of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. And the host was like, happy holidays. So you were in a movie called The Holiday. And he was like, yeah. And you know what? Like, I get more compliments on that movie than I do for School of Rock. Yeah. Because it was just bigger. How is that possible? This movie's bad. How could it be bigger than School of Rock? L- literally, monetarily, and globally, it was bigger. That is so crazy. That doesn't have to do with the quality of the yeah, film, obviously, obviously. But still. It's just that more eyes have seen it. Because School of Rock is a really famous movie, too. Mm-hmm. I'm stunned by that. But one. as soon as it's a holiday romance. Yeah. There this you go. This movie is not a Christmas movie. They say it's a Christmas movie. I mean, they probably just made it one for timing reasons. Yeah. I get why that would be the uh, initial idea for the film, especially from mm-hmm. a marketing perspective. From a marketing perspective, yes. Yeah. But they don't really even talk about holidays. There's that weird-ass New Year's Eve part at the end, which is a very weird ending. Look what I wrote. Would you like to read that for the people (laughs) at home? Why does the end feel like a foursome setup? Once the kids go to bed, you know what's going down there. Yeah, because they keep, they are showing all these montage shots of the, the couples and, and I'm saying, they're siblings. (laughs) I I know, I know, they're, they're literally related. Uh, That is messed up, but. 
I can't deny yeah. that they're doing this intermingling thing in the montage shots. It's like, look, we're all friends. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Hold the phone. Yeah, it's a weird ending. Is there... Do you, what do you have that's positive? The things I wrote in positive are things I already said that did not sound positive. Okay. But the one thing that we haven't talked about yet is that fake Lindsay Lohan, James Franco trailer. Yes, that was amazing, though. Yeah, that, like, that's something I wrote and I want that to be the movie that we're yeah. watching right now. Yeah. Um, Lohan. Did you, did you want to <laughs> talk about your uh, film editing representation? Even though she's actually a trailer person? I still think she's an editor. And for some reason, they keep saying maker or like other yeah. terms. But she's definitely an editor. Mm-hmm. I mean, the setup of John Krasinski and Catherine Hahn, right? She like made a edit suite like in her house. Yeah. And they have this little scene where they're talking about it. I mean, it is fun. It, it is for me, like regarding Inside Baseball, like there are some fun elements to that not so much the trailer things, just seeing, literally just seeing an edit Representation program. <laughs> yeah. Or like seeing Jack Black, like fake composing. I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, that's kind of fun. Jack you, Black's fake composing. You never see occupations in film in film. Not, yeah. not often, especially post. Yeah. I mean, you never see post production in movies. Yeah. So it's just very meta, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. I wrote down, this is secondhand embarrassing. What's secondhand embarrassing? The entire movie. Oh. Like watching, watching like when she's like singing Mr. Brightside or when Kate Winslet oh, is yeah. like rejoicing by like thrashing around in yeah. the bed. I'm like. I'm like, these are women. but the, Right. But then I was thinking, I wrote down, this is secondhand embarrassing. Am I a misogynist? Because <laughs> like, if you saw like Jack Black or just like male actors doing the same thing. I don't think it would really hit the same cringe button. No, and I, I mean, I would still think it's stupid. It would still be stupid, but it's like, I think I think it's actually less about the gender and more about the fact that like tonally the movie is so all over the place that it's like these isolated scenes of like physical rejoicing just feel really weird to me. I just thought of another thing that I did not enjoy. The idea... <laughs> when Cameron Diaz is like, I don't need foreplay. And then and then Jude Law was like, you're so different than other girls. Like, I love oh, you already. I forgot about that. Oh my God. I was like, uh, because she's detached. You love her. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, because she doesn't want, she doesn't want to like be seen or whatever, like truly. Oh and he's like, you're so Different than other gals. I was like barely paying attention at that part, but I do remember what you're talking about. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's not the best message to portray to millions that by not wanting foreplay, you're like a down chick. Yeah, right, right. Speaking to the not having paid attention in that part, I just found it really hard to watch a lot of their scenes together. Like, I just, it's because of Cameron Diaz. I just don't like her. (laughs) But like, if she had been Drew Barrymore... Would have been happy. Would have been different. A Drew Barrymore Jack Black pairing. Yeah, that would be good. That would be really good. Yeah, because as much as I love Kate Winslet, I don't. It was a weird role for her. It's weird for her. Yeah. Yeah, she's just better than it. And she's also, 
Drew yeah. is good at bringing her, her she's good at bringing her intelligence, because she is smart. Yeah. She's good at um, morphing herself into the kind of like tier of film that she's in. Yeah. She's really good at that. Yeah. Like, do you ever watch her in Grey Gardens? She plays Little oh, Edie. I've heard about it, but I haven't seen her in it. She's pretty good. Nice. And like, she's been in some prestige stuff, but she's also been in blockbusters, but she's also been on TV. And yeah, she's good at morphing for the tier of thing she's in. Yeah. And Kate Winslet is just so classy. Yeah. That it's just like, you're it's, so, you're too good for this. Yeah. It's also just like, let her have a dramatic role career, you know? Yeah. And, the, and the thing with her too is well, like, I'm sure I know, she wanted to do this. It was a fun yeah, switch up for her. Yeah. Well, I feel like with, even with like Eternal Sunshine, like it's not a comedy, obviously. Like she gets to have some levity with it, but it's still like a core serious yeah. movie. And like with Titanic, obviously, like the whole thing that's so great about her is like that she is so serious, but then the humor gets to kind of like bubble up a little bit instead of being like, I'm this wacky, zany yeah. person. She's just really good at subtlety. Yeah. And she's good at like ref um, help, like characters that are holding back mm -hmm. a lot. And then they kind of find themselves over the course of the film. Yeah. Or they like loosen up a little bit. I feel like we have to say like one nice thing though. I feel like we haven't actually given this movie like a single petal of a single flower. I liked the fancy house. I liked the cottage. As that audience member said at the beginning, I appreciated those sets. I will never watch this movie again. I will maybe watch the Jack Black scenes yeah. again. There's a really odd experience of watching Jack Black in a blockbuster, which is yep. something well, to behold. We've seen him in a blockbuster, but not like you this. Mean like this kind of thing. Yeah. Not like this. Yeah. Where um, he's supposed to be taken somewhat seriously. He's supposed to yeah. be taken at face value. Well, like as a romantic lead. Yeah. Yeah. And I would love for something to be written for him where he is a romantic lead and it works. Yeah. I mean, we've seen him in dramatic lead roles before yeah. that work. But romantic um, lead, yeah. I would like to see it. Same. I don't know what that would Paired entail. With someone really perfect. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even mention like Shallow Hal. Speaking of like Gwyneth Paltrow, like. Oh, yeah. That shit is loaded. And that's another situation where he's paired with a prestige actor and it's like really odd and it's just like a result of the culture at the time. Yeah. He got very lucky in in some in some sense that that is something he fell into. Yeah. And he says that in his like career overview Vanity Fair thing. He talks about that. A great video. That. Yeah. Um, he did get lucky, but also I wish that got, the scripts were better for him. Got lucky in the sense that that it it gave him the platform to be able to do more of what he wanted to do. Yeah. With the band or with, you know, right. other people. But it just gave him that prestige. Like their prestige rubbed up rubbed off on him. Got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he got the type of acclaim that like normally someone like that would would go slightly underappreciated. But I feel that for the most part, yeah. He's good. Yeah. Okay, so the holiday, it was really weird. I know a lot of people really love this movie and I can definitely see how if you watch this movie in like sixth or seventh grade, you would feel like such a grown up watching it. Like they say, fuck, it's over two hours long. It has that vibe. I will never watch it again, <laughs> as we said, but I- I might watch it again, but I rewatch lots of things I don't 
I didn't necessarily love. Yeah. Why? Slash, how do you even have the time to do it? I'm actually genuinely curious, though. I I don't know. I I don't know. (laughs) I actually don't. I just watch movies a lot. Like, probably like mm, 15 to 20 a month. Something like that. I can literally show you how many I watch per month. It's on my letterbox. I'm sure it's scary. (laughs) But I, uh, I mean, it makes sense for you to be doing it. So good for you. And one more thing before we get to the credits. At last, we finally have transcripts for our episodes. So from here on out, there will be good transcripts on the Evergreen Podcast website, evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema. You can find them there. I may or may not be backlogging. I feel like I should. For a long time, it was like a constraint of the network that we didn't have transcripts, but now we do. So please take advantage of them if you want to. Audrey, roll the credits. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tubingproductions.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at sleepover cinema and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube every Thursday. You can follow me, Audrey, at Audriana Leach on everything. And you can follow me, Hannah, at Hannah Ray Leach on Instagram and at Lana Von Trapp on Twitter. You can join our Discord at the link in the episode description or on evergreenpodcast.com. You can check out our merch at twopingproductions.com slash shop. And if you want a case to buy thing, our code is still active, 15 sleepover. Yes. And if you like the show, just leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or share an episode with a friend. We really appreciate it. I will Venmo you $30. Just kidding. That's a lot of dollars. Everyone's going to do it if you say $30. Um, If you are hearing this, comment a hedgehog emoji on our latest post. (laughs) And you'll Venmo them $1? I'll Venmo, yeah, if you write a review. (laughs) Okay, step one, hedgehog. (laughs) Step two, review. (laughs) Step three, you get $1 on Venmo. That's, I would do that 100% yeah. if I was listening. It's really funny. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> Maybe we should make sure people hear that. Okay. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by none other than Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by the angel Josh Perlman Hall. Our executive producer is Michael D'Aloya. Bye. Happy New Year. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.